0: welcome to all our listeners and today another wonderful guest i have with me a christian author and host of christian outdoors podcast mr pete rogers how are you today
1: i'm doing very well mahal thank you so much for having me
0: yes thank you for being part of our show and before i ask any questions can you tell our listeners more about you
1: Yeah, Sure. Uh, As you said, I am an author and also a host of Christian Outdoors podcast. Uh, I am married with five children. I have three girls and two boys, and two of them are married. The third one's getting married next weekend. Uh, my my middle daughter is, and so it's an exciting time here at the Rogers household. I see our children go from, how old are they, 28 to 19. So, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. And we're really excited about all the things that, that our children are doing. My wife's a retired school teacher, and I'm still working. But, th- yeah, but things are really good. Things are really good. God has really blessed us in a lot of ways, and, and life is really exciting right now.
0: Wow, that sounds good. So, all of your kids are all grown up now.
1: Yes, they are. Yes, they are. We have one, one left in college and uh, we had two that graduated last week and uh, from college. So that was, that was good that they finally got finished. And like I said, one of them's getting married. Her name is Ruth. She's getting married next week and we have one one left at home.
0: Well, congratulations. And Thank you. The one getting married and the one that graduated. That's great. And my question that tell us when did you get saved?
1: Sure. Um, it's. One of the things I like to do was tell people that you know I didn't grow up in church. My family, um, my my parents did not see that as a priority. We did not go to church at all. And my sister is nine years older than me, so she was you know being that big of a gap. She was pretty much uh, how do you say we didn't really do spend a lot of time together because she was so much older. And I have an older brother also, so I'm the youngest of three. Uh, But she started taking me to church when I was like twelve, and I guess she would have been you know, close to 20 at the time. And she started going to church in this small country church here in South Carolina. And she started taking me with her. And, mm-hmm. and I really like, I'm talking about a small church, Mahal, Okay. Like very small. Okay. Wow. Like, like there were, I think nine pews in this church. Okay. It was a very tiny Baptist church here in South Carolina. And one Wednesday night, I think I was around 12, one Wednesday night, cause we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And one Wednesday night, I just felt like the preacher was speaking directly to me, and and I understood that Jesus died for me, and that you know I had that feeling. My heart was beating fast, and I was in a cold sweat, and I and I really didn't you know know what to do other than uh, I just started walking down the aisle whenever the invitation came, and 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 it was a glorious moment, right? And it was one of those times when when I just knew that God had spoken to me. And wanted me to be a part of his family, and and it was uh, it was life changing for me in in a lot of ways, and I'd like to expound on that. Was um, this was in April of 1976, so and my sister got married the next month, and we moved my my parents, my brother, and I moved to another town in South Carolina, and then I had to stop going to church. We lived way out in the country. I couldn't drive. My sister stayed behind because she got married, and so there I was again with my parents who didn't go to church. Um, I mean, you know, we, we were the kind that went like two, three times a year. Right. So we're very, very little. And, and it was like, oh, man, something's missing. Something's missing. I had no mentor. I had not, nothing to really help me along the way, but, but I continued to have that burning in me to draw closer to God. And I didn't even have a Bible or anything. And, uh, we ended up moving a couple more times. We moved a lot growing up, but we moved to town instead of out in the country, to a rental house in town. And I was able then to start going to church. I could walk to church. And I started going to a church that that I could walk to. And some friends of mine were going there, too. And they invited me to go with their youth group. And when I was meeting with the youth group, with the youth pastor there, who, bless his heart, he, he was the music minister who got the youth group thrown onto him. I am not a youth pastor I'm a music guy and yet this is what I have to do small town stuff you know and uh, he had youth meetings at his house on Wednesday nights and I convinced my mom to take me over there to it on Wednesday nights and she would she'd drop me off and pick me up and man de- building that relationship with him really really helped me and and I and I was by the time I turned 15 our church had what they call youth Sunday. Uh, I don't know if churches still do this now. Ours does where, where we attend, where the youth would lead the worship experience. And as a teenager, and even to this point, I had a severe speech impediment. I could not speak out loud at all. I had severe stutter, could not read aloud at all. And it was really, really difficult for me to, to say anything um and it's it's funny mahal when i start talking about it i start doing it more okay so you have to forgive me if i have pauses in there but when we were having this youth sunday our youth director said pete would you deliver the message and i was like dude that's not even funny you know i can't speak right i can't i'm the one of the whole group who stutters and stammers and yet you want me to do this and he said yeah i do And, uh, so I prayed about it and he, he worked with me for weeks and, I learned how to memorize what I was going to say so that therefore I could practice it over and over and over again. And, and I ended up doing it and it was really interesting because I played high school football and baseball and stuff. And my entire football team came right of, of all ethnic groups, which is not normal in in rural South Carolina. Okay. So it was, it was really cool. It made me even more nervous you know, and, uh, and it was on live radio also. So I'm like, I'm 15 years old and this is, and all this is happening. It was really, really weird. And shortly after that, I felt God calling me to be a, to be a pastor. And, and I just, again, thought that was just not funny. I said, God, this isn't funny. You know, you know, I can't speak, you know, I, I have this major speech problem and you want me to be a pastor and to speak all the time. And long story short, Uh, Actually, it's not very short, but um, through a lot of speech therapy and a lot of praying and a lot of techniques that I've learned on my own, I have learned to disguise it very well. And when most people will say, Pete, I had no idea that you had a speech problem because I've learned to disguise it. It's like now while I'm talking to you, Mahal, I can feel it happening, but I'm able to disguise it a good bit. And that's just from... You know, I'm I'm 58 years old. From a lot of years of going through it and learning how to choose words that I can say and that I can't say, and and so my grammar may not be very good, but I, there's words that I can say when they connect with each other. And so, anyway, so that's kind of how my salvation story, and and from there, it was just it's just kind of gone on. I mean, I'm I'm like everybody, I think, in that there's been times when. When I've struggled with my faith, there's been times when when I didn't feel as close to God as I knew I should and things of that nature. But uh, that's that's really what brought me into relationship with God, and it's been a journey ever since.
0: Thank you. Yes, that's really good. And did you notice any difference? I know you were very young when you accepted Him, but do you notice any difference with your life before and after you did it, after you became a Christian?
1: You know, I did. Um, like you said, I was I was pretty young, uh, and moving a lot was really hard because I was always the new kid. Whenever we'd go to school, I don't know how many schools I started at, but it was a lot. And when you're the new kid at a new school and you have a stuttering problem, then you are picked on very, very hard. And I think today they use the word bullying—that you're bullied really hard. And I and and I was and you know back in those days we didn't know how to how to handle it and i can remember when we moved and i was in middle school 7th grade and i had this bad speech problem new kid in town very small country school where i think in the the whole time i was there i was the only new kid that ever came there because right? everybody else was born and reared in that whole community yeah i ended up getting a lot of fights with people because of people bullying me and at one point I realized this isn't really accomplishing what I wanted to accomplish. It's just getting me in more trouble. And so I made the decision and I can't really point as to what led me to that decision, Mahal, other than I made the decision that, you know, this is not working and I'm just going to have to find a different way. And so what I did was I, rather than lashing out like that, I just kind of retreated into myself and began and, and i am Pretty much an introvert now, and being athletic, like I said, I played sports in school. I I just would use that as my outlet. And it, here's a funny sidebar: I, when I played football, I was a quarterback, and I couldn't speak. So, which is kind of funny. I don't know how much you know about football, but your listeners may. Mm-hmm. And so, the coach would send the play in every play. He would send it in with another player. That player would call the play in the huddle because I couldn't say it. And then we would get to the you know to time for the play to happen it was all silent or just noise it wasn't words because i couldn't say the words and uh and it worked for us right and it worked for us and so going through that is kind of where i retreated into it was was through my sports and stuff like everybody else that ends right it ends at either high school or college i was fortunate enough to be able to play baseball in college and stuff but but i still knew that God wanted me to be a pastor and wanted me to do that, but I still couldn't speak. And 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 it was a very frustrating thing. But I went to college, went to seminary, and served as a pastor for for many years until God led me in a different direction. But it was just one of those challenges that I've had in my life. And to your question of what was different, I think what was different was that I realized that if I'm going to be a Christian and I'm going to follow what God wants, I have to behave differently than what I was behaving before i needed to be more loving more kind more gracious more humble and to let god direct me instead of me trying to direct myself
0: thank you my next question is we know that we talk about your whole life you have a problem with saturday how were you able to overcome it for example like they ask you you're gonna go talk in the podium and preach to the people or when you were playing sports and you have to play huddle how are you able to overcome and be able to do it.
1: I spent a lot of time in speech therapy in school. Back then, they would take you out of class and send you to speech therapy, and some of the therapists taught me these, these uh, uh, tricks, if you will. But the biggest thing I learned for me, and I don't know if this works for anybody listening who may have a stuttering, was I learned there are certain letter combinations that I cannot say, or there are certain word combinations that I just cannot say. Like, for example, if there's a word that has an L and a T in it that's really close, and I'm going to have you say it, it means small, like really small, L-I-T-T-L-E. I can't say that word, right? I can't say words that have L's and T's in them together. So I have to use small instead of the other word. And if, there are, if there's a sentence that has like several W's in a row, then I can't say that sentence, so I have to rewrite the sentence. So what I learned to do when I'm speaking, like if I'm preaching or if I'm speaking at a church or at an event, I write out what I'm going to say, and I memorize it, and I uh, I just keep practicing it over and over, and I'll write it so that it it reads well, and then I'll try to read it out loud and say, well, I can't say that, so i got to rewrite that whole sentence so that I can say it. And once I've learned to do that, then I learn to memorize what I'm going to say. And when I memorize it, I memorize them based on words that I can say and in combinations in which I can say them. And I've also learned, which you, you're not picking up on this now, but it's a trick that I'm using right now of brief pauses between most of my words. And it gives me time to form the word in my brain so that my mouth can say it. Because one of my problems in stuttering is my brain is working way faster than my mouth can. And I'm trying to say too many things at once. And that causes me to get stuck. And so I pause a lot. I'm going to do it really slow now so you can hear it. I'm pausing really between each word enough for my mouth to recover. Okay? That's
0: true. For- Good. I can't even hardly tell until you tell me about it. That's that's pretty nice. Thank you. And um, my next question is also probably something that other viewers might be thinking of asking as well. And so during that time that you were having a lot of stuttering problems, did you ever question God about what you're going through? Oh, yes.
1: Again, when I felt like he was calling me to to be a pastor, I I felt like it was a cruel joke mm-hmm. and, and that it was just... I can't do this. And I've talked to many of my pastors and people who would tell me, you know, we believe Moses probably had a, speeching, uh, a speaking problems why he had Aaron speak for him. Um, but we don't know that. We're just guessing based on what the text says. So one day I'm a hunter. Right. And so I was I was hunting one day and I was sitting there and I was just praying. I really wasn't hunting. I was in the woods praying. And I was like, God, this just I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how. This is going to work. I can't do this. And, and, and Mahal, I'm very cautious to say God spoke to me and said, because a lot of people abuse that phrase, right? They use that to manipulate people. But I have twice in my life felt like God spoke to me directly. Okay. Only twice. And both times was in a moment of crisis, in a moment of, 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 of trying to discern what it is He wants for me. And I heard God say to me, open your ears and throw away your running shoes. Quit running from me. I got this. If you will trust me, Pete, I will take care of it. And it, and it wasn't a lightning bolt. It wasn't a miraculous healing. It was a, a a long list of tools that God gave me and confidence that he gave me to say, you can overcome this and I'm going to help you. And so every Sunday morning before I would preach, there's a there's a uh, a text a a a verse i'm sorry i couldn't think of the word in luke is luke 12 12 and i'm going to paraphrase it and it says i'm going to say through you what you need to say so i would pray that and say god you have to speak through me because you know i can't speak so i would prepare my sermon i would memorize it but more times than not what I would actually say was not what was on my page. I mean, it would be the context, but it wouldn't be verbatim the way I memorized it because I would I would trust the Holy Spirit to speak through me so that, in other words, God move me out of the way and you just speak, and I'm going to just trust that you're going to be able to do it. And more times than not, He did, and still does. I mean, He's doing it right right now. While I'm talking to you.
0: Thank you. That that is amazing. And my next question is. Why do you think it's um, important for for us to share salvation to others? And also, you know, like everybody does it in a different way. Like you and I, we do podcasts and the people we know. How about other regular people? Why do you think that they should share salvation?
1: You know, it's a it's an interesting question, Mahal, because, you know, we're all given different gifts of the Spirit, right? And for some people, their gift isn't evangelism. Their gift isn't being able to witness very strongly as it is others. But their gift of hospitality or their gift of grace or their gift of acceptance of people and love is a way in which they can share God's love in their way. And I think that sometimes people get overwhelmed with well, I'm not a good speaker. I, I'm not comfortable sharing my faith. I'm not comfortable talking about it. But you can live it. And when you go to work, and when you are at school, uh, or or when you're at the grocery store line, you can you see people that are hurting. You see people that are struggling with things, and you can you can demonstrate God's love. Just smiling at somebody makes their day. Or you know, helping somebody with their groceries put in their car or push the cart back for them. That's something that I do a lot uh, is when I'm getting in my car and I see somebody pushing their buggy, We, we call them buggies down here in the South shopping cart. I will ask, Hey, do you want me to take that for you and put it up? And it's just a, it's just a gesture that of kindness that I think is a way to model. God's love for us is by showing love to other people. And I do think it's important. I think it's, I think God calls all of us to witness to other people and witnessing is a lot of things, Mahal. It can be, it can be a podcast. It can be writing a book, but it can also be texting somebody to say, you know what? You are on my mind today. And I want you to know I was thinking about you and I'm praying for you. Uh, That's something that I use a lot. Back in the old days, I used to write little postcards and mail them to people. Well, you know, people don't even check their mail every day anymore, right? But they do check their phones. So I have a a lot of contacts in my phone. And sometimes I'll just randomly send a text and say, Hey, Mahal, I'm thinking about you today. I hope you have a great day. And that's all I say. And for a lot of people, you know, it sounds like I'm bragging here, but I don't mean it, is that when I get those from people, man, it just brightens my whole day. Somebody was thinking about me. Somebody... I crossed somebody's mind and they took three seconds to say, you know, boom, 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 Pete, I was thinking about you. Have a great day, man. That just makes you feel great. And I think that's witnessing. I think that is sharing the love that God has for us with other people. And to say, I'll, you know, God loves you and I love you too. And I want you to know that.
0: Thank you. Yes, I agree. It's, it's those things that makes you really happy. And also one thing that also comes to my mind is like, what did you just said. Also one of, I think the benefits of, having a good relationship with god is that he would like whisper something in your ear like you're like you know what i get a message somebody just to say hi and then you didn't know that there's a reason why he said that because that's right that person might need someone to talk to there's something going on in their life and they need to talk to you so I actually already learned that if he wakes me up with something or tells me to do this, I'm not even going to question it. I'm just going to do it because there's a exactly. no reason why he wants me to do it. Yeah.
1: And and on that point, just was it last week, maybe two weeks ago, there was a person that was in my church many years ago that, that we, we stay in contact, but not a lot, you know, a couple, three times a year, we'll text each other. And she was on my mind and I just decided, I said, you know what, I haven't, I haven't heard from her in, quite a while. So I just sent her a text. Hey, I'm thinking about you. Hope everything is going well, et cetera. And she responded back saying, thank you so much. I've been fighting some severe depression lately and your text just really helped me a lot. And I'm like, I had no idea that's what was going on. I, I, she just crossed my mind and I sent the text out and, and it, and it helped her in some small way. And just like it helps me whenever people do, do that to me. So there's so many little things that we can do. You know, there's only been one Mother Teresa, right? There's only been one Billy Graham. There's only been, you know, one of those. And I remember early on when I was in ministry or full-time ministry saying, God, I wish I could preach like Tony Evans. I wish I could preach like, and, and it dawned on me one day, they said, why do you want to preach like Tony Evans? I already got Tony. I need you to be you. And it was like, whoa, that's pretty simple and easy. God, God's already got Tony. He doesn't need another Tony. He needs a Pete to be what God needs me to be where I am. And it reminds me of what Paul says in his message to the men at Athens and, you know, in Romans and was it 14 or 17 when he says, you know, you are here right now for a specific pl- purpose. And so God put you right here right now for a specific purpose. Do that. Quit trying to do something else and be something else or someone else and just be you where you are.
0: That's true. Thank you. Yes. And like, just like what you said, like I messaged someone before, I'm like, you know, I've been praying and stuff. And then I got a message from you. Oh, okay. Thank you. That is God because, you know, it just came <laughs> into my mind, isn't it? And that's exactly that's right. Just, and if I remember correctly, I think you also said in your episode that she's also doing a podcast. Um, the different key steps to enjoying God. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yes, and, th- and thank you for that. This started, it's a journey I started on, I think it was 2014. I like to read theology, right? So I was reading the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And for those who don't know what that is, very briefly, it's a tool that was developed by the Presbyterian Church in the 1600s to, to teach people about God, the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, et cetera. It is basically a teaching tool and it's designed as a question answer. I ask a question, the student memorizes the answer and they learn these things. And question one is, what is the chief end of mankind? Remember, this was written in the 1600s. So today's language would be, what is the meaning of life? What is your purpose for being here? And the answer to that is, your purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And I read that and said, well, that's a good Sunday school answer. And I went to the next one. But then, it, you know, the Spirit spoke to me and said, go back and read that again, Pete. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And I and I thought to myself, Mahal, I said to enjoy Him forever. Does that mean after we get to heaven? No, I don't think so. I think forever starts now. To enjoy God forever. Am I enjoying God now? And I started on this path of Asking myself, do I enjoy God? And I said, well, I acknowledge God. I worship God. I love God. I uh, fear God. I tolerate God sometimes. I mean, let's be real. Okay. Uh But do I enjoy him? And I realized that, you know, I don't think I am enjoying him the way that I'm supposed to. And so I started with a very intentional challenge to myself. When I wake up in the morning, I ask myself, and I've been doing this every day since, how are you going to enjoy God today? As somebody who loves the outdoors and loves creation, I spend a lot of time outdoors and my job keeps me outdoors 300 days a year. Right. So I enjoy God's creation, but I'm, but am I enjoying the creator? So what I try to do is when I see a sunrise, I appreciate the artistic ability that God had in creating that. But then I don't just focus on the beauty of the sunrise. I try to focus on the beauty of the creator. What did God do to create that? And so out of that came my book. So I'm going to jump right into that now. This called Do You Enjoy God? And it's 12 Steps to Enjoying God Every Day. Part of this is my journey of enjoying God. And it's to help the readers to also figure that out. And as I say in the book, it starts with a relationship, Mahal. That's where it starts. You can't enjoy God without a relationship. You have to have that. And one of the things I cover in there is, You know, in our lives, we have a lot of different relationships that we're in, right? You, you know, you're a mother, you're a podcaster, me, I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm an employee, I'm an employer, I'm a podcaster, I'm a coach, I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher, I'm all these different relationships. But the only one that really matters is my relationship with God. And what kind of relationship with him do I have? Is you know, am I just a subject to His ruler? No, I don't like that. That's not what He wants. He wants an intimate, close, loving relationship with us, and we cannot enjoy God until we have that relationship. So the book goes through these twelve steps of having relationship, finding out, uh, and then the next one is understanding that we're created in the image of God. What does it mean to be an image bearer? to carry the image of God. And I, and I break down that and then we discover our gifts. We talked about that earlier. What are your gifts? Your gifts are different from mine. How do we know what our gifts are? How do we discover them? And I break that down and I won't go through all the chapters here, but, but I talk about you know living and not just existing. How do you enjoy God in trying times? when things are, are, when, when life just stinks, you know, nothing seems to be happening. I just lost my job. My company moved out of, out of the country. I've been here 30 years. These are real stories of people. And how do I enjoy God when that's happening? And, and I share these personal stories of myself and also of, of people that I know and experiences that, that I've had of how can we enjoy God and recognizing the miracles in our lives and, and enjoying God when we worship enjoying God, when we are happy, when things are good, right? That's when we tend to ignore God the most. When things are bad is when we find ourselves on our knees. But when things are good, how do we enjoy God? And how do we find a true happiness? And uh, so all that's in the book. It's, it's called Do You Enjoy God? 12 Steps to Enjoying God Every Day. It's available on Amazon. It's also on my website. We can get to that later. But it's it's a process that I've been going through and I hope to go through the rest of my life of making sure that every day I intentionally focus on how am I going to enjoy God today and you know with my kids when I send them to school or now they're in college I used to say to them every morning don't forget to enjoy God today make a difference make a difference and enjoy God today that that's what I would say to them every day when I would drop them off at school you make a difference and enjoy God today and I'm
0: going to copy you and start saying that to my daughter when I send her to school and I drop her off. That,
1: do that. I'd be interested to know how that works for her. I, re- I really would because it does make a difference. I know my children have said that it makes a difference for them since I've been driving this into them. If quit If Don't focus on yourself. Focus on others and focus on God and everything else takes care of itself.
0: Thank you. Yes. Most of the time we don't really think about that, but that's always a good idea to think. and. It's actually something more that you experience about enjoying God. Like just like you said a little bit earlier, like I always say is example like your relationship with somebody that you just met in a park or your coworker would be different with your relationship with your with your parents and with your kids. It's the same with God because that means you have to get to know God to be able to experience it. And can you just say a little bit with us just how, do, how will people be happy in the, if they're in the middle of the storm?
1: So how do we find happiness, right? So in America, as an example, there are $9.9 billion spent every year on self-help books. Think about that. We're trying to find ways in which we can find happiness. Well, I have three observations on how we find happiness. Number one is happiness is found in the mirror and not in the window. You can't find happiness by looking for a, a, it in other places. It comes from within and it starts with that relationship with God. When you have Jesus in your heart, it's hard to have a bad day. And I'd always tell my children and I tell people when I go speak, there are only good days and great days and we decide which ones we're going to have, right? Because if you wake up, it starts off as a great day, right? God God's breath is in us. We 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 wake up. It doesn't matter I mean, I have gone through some really bad times in my life. I've been homeless. I've been unemployed. I've had some really hard times, right? But I go back and I look and I say, and when I focused on the right things and kept my priorities in order, that my focus is on God and my focus is on Him and what does He want for me, then I see that my happiness is not in acquiring nicer cars or, or good clothes or a bigger house or a nicer subdivision or what it is. That's stuff. That's, that's looking out the window instead of in the mirror, but true happiness is found in the mirror. It's not found by looking out the window. The other one is, is that people look for happiness in things, right? Instead of in relationships. And then I have a son that lives in Los Angeles, bless his heart. And I went out there to visit him because I'd never been to Los Angeles. And I said, well, I want to go see it. And he took me down to Rodeo drive where, you know, very in Beverly Hills. And walking down that street, I saw about twenty million dollars worth of cars parked. And I was like, oh my goodness, wow. look at all these cars. There's Bentley's and Rolls Royce's and Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Range Rovers, all lined up and down the thing. And and it and it reminded me of, you know, the spoils of success and the why are people spending four hundred thousand dollars on a car? Does that make them happy? Does it really? And it reminded me of Philippians 4.12 when Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. And what it reminded me of in that is that we are looking for happiness in the wrong places, okay? We're looking for happiness in, in all the wrong things. I tell a story of a man who was in one of my churches who dropped out of school in eighth grade because he had to work to help support his family, and he swore he would never be poor again and he worked and worked and worked he became a brick mason and he ended up owning three houses in three different states he ended up you know making a lot of money and acquiring a lot of things but his family didn't know him because he was always working he was gone all the time he was you know he lived in south carolina but he was working in alabama and in florida and in georgia building hospitals and schools and sending all this money home and and when he died his family got his money but all they wanted was was their daddy yeah. that's all they wanted was their daddy and he spent all that time trying to accumulate all this wealth and he did right but what he missed in the process was he missed his children growing up he missed his grandchildren he missed you know, time with his wife and and it was just uh as they tell us in ecclesiastes it was a chasing after the wind what good does it do to accumulate that and the third observation mahal is that happiness is achieved is not entitled it's something that we have to earn we have to work for you know in this modern generation that we have everybody wants right now what took me and my wife 40 years to acquire right well you can't acquire right now it takes you have to earn it you have to work towards it it's not an event it's a process when jesus was facing trying times what did he do he went to the wilderness and he prayed what did he do he went and sought god I mean he, I mean he he was God right but when he was facing very difficult times he separated himself from all the things and he went out by himself and he prayed and he spent time with God and happiness is really something that we acquire over time right we've all had days weeks months when it, like i said life is just it's just hard sometimes just really really hard And there's no rhyme or reason to it. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people, right? You know, that old saying, you know, why do only bad things happen to good people? Well, they don't. The, The difference is we care about those people, okay? So because we care about them, it seems like it's worse. But people that we don't know and we don't care about, it doesn't bother us when bad things happen to them. Like, well, good for them. You know, they deserve that. But that's not what God wants, right? That's not what God wants at all. And I remember I coached baseball as well, and I had a, a fellow coach of mine, a player came up to him and said, you know, coach, why can't I play more? I want to be in the game more. And he looked at the kid and he said, if you want more playing time, then get better.
0: Yeah, It's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> get better. And I thought, wow, that was cold. But then as I thought about it some more, I thought, what a great response. If you want to play more, get better. If you don't want to fail, get better. If you don't want to suffer sadness, get better. Happiness doesn't just come to us. We cannot obtain it. We can only achieve it. It doesn't come in other people or in things or in bank accounts or in rioting or in protesting. It's not something we're entitled to rather. It's something we earn. So, you know, and it goes, you see, in Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse 10, uh, Solomon writes, I denied myself, nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart, no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for my toil. Yet when I surveyed everything my hands had done and what I had worked to achieve, everything was meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. Nothing was really gained under the sun. I think what Solomon's telling us there, and about all this thing of of happiness, is all of our work and all of our heart's desires are not where we find happiness. We can only find happiness through living a life worthy. Of the one whose image we bear if we embrace our image as being image bearers of god and we put it right here right now for a reason we understand that we're here right now for a reason if we serve him happiness will come and it will come in measures that we can't even describe
0: thank you so much that's an amazing and i also thought a little bit about the verse that you mentioned because also kind of connected like i think a little bit in the beginning one of my life first that i always like to think and i also have like a little little board in my refrigerator that i hang one time i wrote it there the one that says in philippians 4 6 when it says do not be anxious about anything but in Every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, which is giving him all the cares because like if he could take care of the birds, he can take care of us too. Right.
1: No, in Matthew 6, and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, why are you worried about tomorrow? There's enough today to, to worry about. Don't I take care of the birds and the lilies of the field and all that? So why are you worried? I'm going to take care of you. If we have that relationship with Christ, then there's really nothing to worry about. He's got it he's got. Now it's hard. I'm not saying that's easy to do. It's very hard to do because of our human sinful nature that we want to control it and being, you know, in this, in, in this Western mindset of I can do anything if I just work hard enough. Well, you can to a point, but only when your priorities are in order and that's God first, your spouse, second, your children next, and then everything else under that. If, if it's not that way, then, then you're going to continually be looking out the window you're you're going to be continually chasing after the wind you got to keep god first your spouse second if you're married your children next if you have them and everything else you can't put work and portfolios and cars above anything else It has to be god first your loved ones next you know others next if you will and then yourself and your desires last and when you do that it's amazing how the bad times don't seem quite so bad
0: I agree. Thank you. Yes, that's true. You know, like when you have that relationship, you know, you could trust on God and, you know, he'll take care of it. And just like what you said, I think some people will think that idols are just statues. Idols could be anything that you put on top of God. It could be your spouse. It could be your children. It could be your work, your ambition. We always have to remember, just like you said, in that order, God first. Because that's the most important thing. Because you cannot, like I told somebody before you can give love if you know love because the love comes from god you know you cannot give love if you don't know what love means and what love god gave into your life and my question is for the people that are listening right now because we don't know who they are and some of them haven't made the decision yet what advice can you give them why should they accept jesus free gift of salvation in their lives
1: well, I appreciate that question very much. I do cuz I lo- I love talking about this stuff. And and that is is here's my simple answer is we have to make a lot of decisions in our life every day, right? But there is no better decision than than turning your life over to Christ and and here's why. It changes everything. It changes the way you look at every day it changes the way you you look at your job it changes the way you look at your wife or your husband it changes the way in in which you look at yourself it changes everything is is because it's not just a fire insurance policy all right we don't get saved just so we don't go to hell although that's a pretty good reason right all right i'm gonna be honest that's a pretty good reason if i'm gonna be wrong at least i'm gonna be on the right side of of heaven and hell in that process but it's, it's so much more. It makes your life so much more full. It makes it so much more complete. It makes, as I said, it makes the difficult times a lot easier to bear. It just completely changes everything in such a positive way that when you accept Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, not just your Savior, but also as your Lord, then it just completely fills you with a peace and a certainty. You know, there's that old hymn, um, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, right? The assurance, focus on the assurance. I am sure that Jesus loves me. I am sure that Jesus came to this world to make my path to God a little bit easier and a little bit straighter. And that he gave me all the tools I need to live a happy and fulfilled life. All I have to do is accept it. And And I've told people like this, Christmas morning. If I wrap up a a package and I put my haul on it and it's big and it's pretty and there's a bow and I hand it to you, are you going to say, no, thank you, I don't want that? You're going to say, wow, I didn't deserve that. I didn't know that you got me. something. I didn't get you anything, but take it anyway. And what are you going to do? You're going to open it and you're going to say, wow, a spoon. I didn't know I needed a spoon. Thank you for this spoon. Okay. And and every time you use that spoon, you're going to think of Pete. And you're going to say, wow, he gave me this spoon so I can stir my coffee and I can eat my cereal and I can serve my kids oatmeal. I didn't know I needed a spoon, but I needed it. That's how salvation is. God gives us a free gift. He doesn't want anything in return except for us to accept it, to open it and to say thank you. And then every time we use that spoon, we think of him and we every time we wake up and we And we open his word and we see that God loves me in spite of myself. I don't deserve God's love. I I, I fail him every day. I do not deserve it. But you know what he says? That's okay, Pete. I got you. I got you. I went to the cross so that you didn't have to worry about it. All you have to do is just accept it. That's it. You just have to accept it. And I'm not going to turn down a gift somebody gives me.
0: Yeah. I may
1: feel a little bit guilty that I didn't get you something. But I'm gonna say, wow, Mahal thought of me and she got me this nice spoon. How great is that? I didn't know I needed it, but every time I use it, I think of her. And that's what salvation is. I don't I didn't know I needed it, but now that I have it, I'm so thankful for it. And and that's and that's what I say to people of, of it's free. There's no strings attached. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to you don't have to you know, wear your shirt button to the top, stop going to movies, and stop hanging out with these people. You, that's not what God wants. God wants you. He created you the way you are in a very unique, specific way for a reason. He said, I want Mahal the way she is. I, and, and all you have to do is give him yourself, and he'll do the rest. He'll do the rest, and you will find that you are able to do things you never imagined, that you are more capable than you ever dreamed of. I believe that our our dreams, I don't mean our nightly dreams, our aspirations, our goals, are God's way of showing us our fullest potential. That, that that That's why my dreams are different from yours. And my goals and my aspirations are different from yours because God says, Pete, I put this in you to show you what you're capable of doing. If you trust me, then I'll take you there.
0: That's a great advice. Thank you. And so for the new Christians, the new believers that just accepted Christ, what advice can you give? Because there's so many churches out there, how are they going to be able to find a church that that is right for them? Because we don't want them to go to a church that they want to learn more about God and learn more about Jesus, and they didn't know that they end up going to a cult. Because right. there's so many false spiritual. What advice should you give them?
1: Well, and and that's a tough question. I appreciate you asking it, though. I don't know that I have the right answer, but I have you know some some advice is of ask people that you trust where they go, go with them. Number one, never judge a church on one visit, right? They may have a guest preacher that, that they, it just may not be a good one. You know, the the songs didn't resonate with you. The style may not be yours. Give it two or three in a row and decide, you know what? This style of worship just doesn't speak to me. You have other friends that go to church, go with them, right? And, And what I do, you know, I live in a suburban area right now. So there are a lot of churches here. Uh, There's probably 15 within five miles of me, if not more. Go to the closest and work out until you find one that connects with you. There's a lot of different worship styles now, right? The church we go to, we go to First Presbyterian here in Greenville, and they have traditional, very traditional services, and they have very contemporary services. We actually go to both just depending on the mood of the day. We actually go to both. Um, and so we like both. My family likes the contemporary music. I like the traditional hymns and I like the traditional music. It's the same pastor preaching the same message. Make sure they're teaching the Bible the way that it is. And the only way you're going to know that is for you to get in the word yourself. And a lot of new Christians ask me, Pete, I don't know where to begin. I started reading Genesis and I got bogged down in Exodus that don't even start there. Lord, please know. (laughs) I advise people, if you've never read the Bible to start with the gospel of John and the Psalms, read John, read the Psalms. When you finish John, come back to me and I'll say, go to Mark. Now read Mark is short It's to the point, just like John is, It's to the point. And then we're going to take you to Romans and we're going to bounce around a little bit, but that's okay. You're getting enough of hearing who Jesus is, what Jesus did, what the church is supposed to do, how God interacts with his people through the Psalms. And and you're going to start discovering God in a very unique and exciting way by doing that. So if you're new to the faith, you don't know what to read, start with the Gospel of John. Get the, either the New International Version or the English Standard Version, the ESV or the NIV. Uh, stay away from King James. It's really hard to understand until you oh, yeah. advance. I
0: love the New Living Translation, too, because it's yes. really
1: yes, Yes, that one's good as well. Uh, any translation that reveals God to you is a good translation, in my opinion. Okay. And
0: you know what's so interesting? I just thought it was really good that you actually just mentioned what you just said earlier. Because me and Annette actually just started talking. Because we thought of doing our devotional before it Proverbs. But then we talk about, you know what, we're going to do our devotional. And we will read the book of John a few verses at a time and then share it. And I'm like, that is interesting. I thank you for that. It's like, God is telling us like, yeah, you're in the right path because you know, we're going to start with the book of John. We're going to read a few verses and explain it. So I thought that was really right.
1: Yeah. And, And I mean, John is just a great, a great gospel because it's not chronological. He just focuses on who Jesus is and why Jesus came. Right. And then we can get into the historical part later. Right. Let's just focus on who Jesus is, why Jesus came and what he came for. And that's what John does.
0: My next question is, I read that um, you also in your episode, you talk about giving an advice to pastors and ministers. What what was it that you mentioned in it? Well,
1: one of the things I, I have a deep passion for pastors because I was one for a long time. And I understand that, that being a pastor can be a very lonely place it's a it's a very difficult i actually had a series of podcasts back in january called the art of pastoring where i interviewed three different pastors and we talked about a lot of the challenges that pastors go through and one of the things i do is i speak at pastors retreats and pastors uh, continuing education events and we talk about some of the things in which they they struggle with and deal with and what i want to say to anybody listening is is think about your pastor as a human being who is also on the same path that you're on, but yet they're called to a different, uh, a different task, if you will. And that is to proclaim, thus says the Lord. And that is a heavy burden that they carry because I always recognized that when I stood up there on Sunday morning or I, or I sat in front of this microphone, that I have the ability to either lead somebody to Christ or away from Him. And I want to make sure that I do all I can. To convince people and to and to share God's love, that they're going towards Him and not away from Him, and to pastors out there, I'll say that you're not alone. There, there are other pastors right there with you. It's not a competition. You're not competing with the guy next door or down the street, or whatever. We're all on the same team. And I use this analogy, Mahal, because I played baseball, right? So if you watch a baseball game, let's say it's the New York Yankees and the Atlanta Braves, okay. They are they're from two very different cities, right? Two very different cultures. They wear different uniforms. They have different coaches. They go, go about the game differently, but they're still playing baseball. They still have to pitch it, hit it, run, score runs, get outs, right? So that's how I view all the different churches and the different denominations out there. We're all Christians serving the same God, trying to do the best we can. We may wear a different uniform, have a different name on the sign out front, right? But we're all trying to do the same thing. And the only competition is, how are we going to serve God better? How can we be better Christians today? How can we play the game, using the baseball analogy again, to the best of our ability so that we can serve our God the best we can? And for the pastors out there, manage your team, learn your congregation. Get out there, spend time with your people, sit on the porch with them, drink a glass of sweet iced tea, as we do here in the South, or have a cup of coffee with them, hold their hands when they're having surgery or in the waiting room. You have to know your people to minister to them. You can't do it from the church office. You have to do it from their porches, from their bedside, from their tractors, from their car dealerships, from their assembly lines. Go where they are and be with them. Because that's what God called us to do. You know, John Wesley said when he started Methodism in, in America, he said to his, his first two guys, Thomas Koch and Francis Asbury, you have nothing to do but to save souls. Keep your focus on that and not on how big your steeple is or how, how, many, uh, how big your choir is, how many people are in the pews. That's irrelevant. God takes care of that. You minister to your people.
0: Thank you so much. And I, I had so much fun with our conversation and I've learned so much. And before we end, can you tell again, all of our audience, the books that, that you have right now, your website, and also about your podcast where they can find you all the information, all the cool information.
1: Okay. I, I will. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Yes. My podcast is Christian Outdoors. And it's, it's available on all the podcast apps on Apple and Stitcher and, and Spotify and everywhere else. And my website is christianoutdoors.org. That's www.christianoutdoors.org. And there, all my episodes are there. All the information about me is there. Also, if you want me to come speak at your church or event, you know you can look at the things that I talk about on there. My book is called Do You Enjoy God? 12 Steps to Enjoying God Every Day. It's available on the website as well and also from Amazon. And it's available in paperback and in Kindle and also audiobook as well. And I just started a Patreon uh, account this week. For anyone who wants to support the ministry and the podcast, you can go there. There's six different tiers in which you can participate. We also have donate buttons on our website for anyone who wants to contribute to help keep the podcast and the ministry going. I would appreciate any any help with that. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well under Christian Outdoors. Christian Outdoors podcast, you can look up, it's under both. If you look it up, you'll then it'll take you to that. Uh, you can email me if you have questions about anything. It's Pete, P-E-T-E at ChristianOutdoors.org. And yeah, if anybody has any questions or comments, I'd be glad to. I respond to all the comments and emails that people send me. So if you have anything like that that you want to talk to me about, feel free to reach out.
0: Wow, thank you so much. And like I said, I would have to even go back and write all of those points that you've said because they are really good and I am so blessed and I know everybody listening and even some of my pastor friends I'm sure they're all blessed and that's a good advice that you gave them as well
1: thank you so much and thank you for having me very much I really enjoyed it
0: yes thank you for being part of our show and to all our listeners I hope you are all blessed and like what always say always come to Jesus and if you haven't accepted him as your personal savior Hopefully with Mr. Pete's wonderful words of testimony that he've shared with us that you will make that best decision of your life. Thank you and take care and stay blessed. And until next time, bye for now. Life gets tough And times get hard And it's hard to find the truth in all the lies whisper it now.